0: Yash, do you realize that after two and a half months of having practically zero football to watch with the Premier League, the Syria La Liga now returning, we're going to be absolutely flooded with options?
1: Yeah, and how ironic, Rahul, that this flood of football fixtures will come in the months of June and July, which are usually the months when you and I are on a break from league football because there's
0: nothing to watch. I must be honest though, Yash, I am a little bit concerned about what the viewing experience is going to be like. I am excited that so many matches are there. But from what we've seen in the German Bundesliga, the spectacle of the football game just isn't the same anymore, is it? To me, another big question I have, Rahul, is that
1: what if things go wrong? You know, you've waited all these months, you've tried to create a secure post-Covid environment in which to play football. But what if one week into
0: it, some tests come positive and you have to stop all over again? What are the contingencies? Yeah, and how safe is it for each of these countries, you know, to be hosting football? They've all jumped on the Bundesliga model. But obviously, the prevailing conditions in each of these three countries are quite different. And honestly, Rahul, I also want a bit of a refresher.
1: I mean, you said it's been two and a half months. I don't remember how much I remember of
0: who's placed where. Lots of talking points, so I think we should just dive in. Let's go.
1: From newsrooms and studios, to couches and armchairs, two ardent enthusiasts, one common language, sport. This is Open Season, your all-sport podcast with Rahul Dalal and Yash Chah.
0: So you support Chelsea, Yash, and I support Manchester United. So there are not a lot of things that we've agreed on as far as the Premier League is concerned over the years. But the one thing that we can, I'm sure both agree on now, is that Liverpool fans are about to get infinitely more annoying.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, torturous enough, if I could say, over the last year, winning the Champions League. We are back. We are kings. And now, well, they're going to end the 30-year-long wait. The one thing that, you know, we'd actually started thinking maybe they won't get to see in their lifetimes. But they are going to get to see it. But but I would say there is a slight amount of sadistic pleasure in that if you ask the Liverpool fan through this drought, the day it ends, what do you expect the scenes to be? You would have imagined all of Liverpool going berserk or at least the red portion of Liverpool, people stripping, people dancing. None of that can happen
0: now. Yeah, you'd expect the emotion after 30 years of frustration to come pouring out at the moment that Liverpool win the title. And there's a big boost for the fans as well because initially there was talk that any match ...where Liverpool could clinch the title would have to be held at a neutral venue. But now Liverpool have got permission for the second match of their comeback... ...against Crystal Palace to be held at Anfield. We know that Liverpool are only two wins away from winning the title. So that moment could very well happen at Fortress Anfield. In fact, Rahul, it
1: could even happen a little before that... ...in a more poetic fixture almost for Merseysiders... Because the first game, when we return, is Arsenal versus Man City. If Arsenal can pull up a great shock and beat Manchester City, you have a scenario where Liverpool, who will take on Everton, could lift the Premier League title by
0: beating Everton, although it is likely that that game will be played at a neutral venue. You know, Yash, the reason why they were talking about neutral venues, especially as far as Liverpool's title was concerned, is because they are concerned that Liverpoolians will come out onto the street and celebrate. And that given that we're in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic, that's not a good idea at all. You only need to look at what's happening in London. Over the last week, there have been massive protests over the death of George Floyd. And even though that cause is a good one, mass gatherings need to be avoided at this point of time. What about when the moment actually comes on the field?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm guessing even trophy lifts and celebrations can't
0: be as uh, touching as earlier, right? Definitely. First of all, not having any of the fans even in the stadium. Uh, you know, chanting you on. And then, what do we know about uh, football celebrations? Yash, it's all about those big huddles, people jumping on top of each other, the manager being flung into the air six times by the players. None of these things are actually possible. You know, when that trophy lift happens, it's going to be a socially distanced kind of trophy lift. We saw a trailer of that uh, in the Austrian Cup final. Red Bull Salzburg won the trophy and there was a a little pedestal which had all the medals and generally you have someone uh, taking the medal and putting it around a player's neck. Here they they were just put in one line and asked to pick one up on their own from that table and then they went on to this stage which had like these little social distancing circles marked like the kinds that you and I have gotten used to seeing. Oh like the supermarket. Exactly. The ones outside our grocery stores over the last couple of months. Those kind of little tiny circles and every player has to celebrate from a distance with his teammates. So that's going to be the reality. Although I did see them pass the trophy around. So I don't know whether all these distancing measures matter if you're going to pass the trophy around from one player to another. Yeah, that that, that does seem a little
1: sketchy. But... What I really didn't understand in recent weeks, Rahul, is the whole fuss around neutral venues. You know, I mean, what even is home advantage in a post-COVID football game? Realistically, when we say home advantage, you're referring to the crowd factor, right? The 12th man, as they call it. And you're getting none of that. So, at best... What, a difference in the dimensions
0: of the size of the pitch? Does that make so much of a difference? Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that makes such a big difference. I can understand that, you know, if you have a really tight pitch and you suddenly play at a massive stadium like, like the Nou Camp in Barcelona, then that might be a, a, a you know significant difference for you to deal with. But a small, uh, small change in the dimensions of the pitch seems like a pretty uh, minuscule thing. And even in the German Bundesliga, we've seen, we're obviously seeing home and away matches. Jurgen Klopp has pointed this out as well. We've not actually seen a lot of home wins. So really home advantage doesn't seem like such a big factor anymore. So either at Anfield or at some other
1: venue, Liverpool will definitely be lifting the Premier League title for the first time.
0: Yes, that's going to happen for sure. But Yash, let's be honest. Personally, both of us are a lot more interested in what's happening below Liverpool in the standings. Both our clubs, along with a few others, Sheffield, Wolves, maybe Tottenham and Arsenal as well, are all vying for Champions League qualification. Chelsea are number four, as
1: things stand. Manchester United three points behind them. But Manchester United in fifth are actually looking at a Champions League place because Manchester City in
0: second, as things stand. Rahula Band. But there is some good news for Manchester City, which is that uh, a Cass appeal that was lost in limbo due to COVID-19 finally has a hearing date uh, for later this month. So they are going to be able to make a submission. But they are pretty confident of getting it overturned. So a team in fifth place cannot be convinced that they will definitely be in the Champions League next season. The aim has got to be to finish in the top four.
1: Yeah, so in so it's a verdict that will literally resonate across Manchester. But you know, Raul, I, I'll go back to my big concern with this return of football. What happens if wave two strikes what happens if five players from a particular team test positive and they can't go back onto the field what
0: where do you go back then that's actually the big point of contention in the premier league still you know they've agreed on a restart date and obviously the hope is that they can conduct all of these nine rounds of matches but they are considering a scenario for how you know, the Champions League places, the Europa League places, the relegation battle, how will these things be decided? Because you're looking at the absolute apocalypse scenario in a sense where you cannot play a single other match and that the league is shut down completely. So I think the Premier League is considering that in that scenario, they will look at the table as it stands and kind of award the places based on where they are. Whether that is fair or not, that's up for debate. But... You can see that they are leaning towards, you know, a points per game because in their schedule they have started by design with the four clubs who have a game in hand Manchester City, Arsenal, Sheffield United, and uh, Aston Villa. So, immediately after the first round of fixtures, you'll be in a position where all the teams on the table have played an equal number of games, and that makes the points per game calculation a lot easier if it comes to that. But there are a lot of clubs who are opposing this, especially as far as relegation is concerned. So, it's going to be a contentious issue for sure for the Premier League. Yeah, the way
1: I see it, you've got to hope that they manage to reach the 38 games because any kind of premature finish to the season... I mean, uh, if you look at the two countries which did uh, dissolve their season when the lockdown began, France and Netherlands being those two divisions and two completely different methods were taken in that in the French league 1, you had... uh, PSG awarded the title but in the Netherlands, where things were bloody tight, you had uh, Ajax and Atmar level on points, they decided to not award a title but where things got contentious is that from the Netherlands, only the team that finishes first gets an automatic spot in the Champions League and they decided to give that to Ajax and you've got the Atmar guys saying, hang on, we're level on points, why is goal difference coming into the picture?
0: especially when we beat Ajax both the times we met them this season. Yes, they're definitely pushing for a head-to-head. And I can see where they have a case, you know. Even in France, nobody's actually happy about the fact that the league has been ended. In fact, they're talking about whether they've decided to end the league too early because the rest of Europe is back in action or planning to be back in action in June. I, in fact, read a report that France has okayed ...pre-season friendly matches in July for next season... ...which is to begin in August, you know... ...so there are clubs like Leo that are like... ...what the hell is going on here... ...if we can host friendly matches in July... ...why couldn't we finish the league season... ...why were we in a hurry to c- call it to a close at all... Why, ...why did we jump to that decision?
1: Yeah, that's just bizarre... ...you know, we started off with Liverpool... ...maybe this is where Liverpool fans can be happy... ...it could have gone that way too... You could have come within 90 minutes of winning the league, but not getting the league. And you know what, Travill? I think it's for the best of all of us that they get the league. Because otherwise, we'd have heard them crying about this for the next 30 years.
0: But it would have been an injustice, Yash. You know, as much as I'm not a big fan of Liverpool fans, I do feel for them. It would have been a grave injustice with this perfect season, probably the best Premier League season that we've ever seen to not be rewarded uh, with the Championship. i begrudgingly agree. Are you surprised
1: though, Ramal, that uh, the actual restart date for Project Restart, 17 June, uh, does that seem a little early to you? Because my idea, and a lot of managers have also been saying this, When play- usually players only get a two-month break once a year, which is end of season. And then when they come back, they have at least a month, month and a half of preseason tours and training. But this time, you are
0: coming back after so long away from the game and right into the thick of things. That is a a big, big concern. Uh, You know, and I don't think that the managers are particularly pleased about this. All of them are happy to have football back. But I don't think they're happy about having to do it so soon. Because the players would have only been in full contact training for about three Maybe three and a half weeks at the point at which the Premier League action begins. Now we've heard from a lot of Premier League clubs and their medical staff that they're all bracing for more injuries. Because, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like the players will have had enough of a time to get up to the rigours of match action. And you've seen that on the
1: evidence of the Bundesliga, right, Rahul? Since the comeback, there have been a lot of injuries
0: piling up. And players themselves are sceptical about returning this early. In fact, a lot of players have said that they were the ones who were consulted the last in all these return decisions. You know, quite prominent players have come out and said this. We've heard of Troy Deeney, the captain of Correct. Watford. We've heard from Tyron Mings of Aston Villa recently, you know, who said that, The decision to return to action on the 17th of June is purely financially driven. You know, they are trying, obviously, to put safety processes in place because without those safety processes, they won't get clearance from the UK government. But the players are claiming that they really haven't been consulted at all about whether they feel ready to return on the 17th of June. Injuries are,
1: of course, a factor. But I guess the the balancing fact here, Raul, is that There are also a lot of players who were injured while the season proper was going on. You do get those players coming back. They are fit again. They've had two months to recuperate. So,
0: maybe that sort of offsets the problem. Yeah. At least you'll start with a set of fully fit players. And then if the injuries come, clubs will have to deal with it.
1: Is it also valid uh, to be slightly worried by the sort of testing results we were seeing in the first... Week or so after the players return to training, because I remember in the last week or two reading multiple reports about two positive tests at one club, then three at another. That's also a problem, right?
0: Actually, Yash, if you look at those positive results as a function of the total number of tests that they did among all the club's players and staff, you know, there are about 1200 tests that are conducted in each round, and so if you have single digit returns the situation is not so bad. What's actually even more encouraging is that, like you mentioned, the first three rounds of tests all had some positives in single digits. But the fourth round of tests that they conducted, which was after the teams had returned to contact training, that round of results has returned zero positives. So there is some hope that the clubs are able to, you know, at least the training aspect of it, that they are able to do it safely. But not all players are back in training. Yash, Troy Deeney is one of them, we mentioned him. You would know Chelsea's Angolo Conte is not back in training either. And that is for a completely different reason. And I really feel, you know, for some of these players, they're called BAME athletes in the UK. It stands for Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic Athletes. And they have even more serious concerns about returning to action. Because the statistics in the UK are showing that people from this BAME community are three to four times more likely to die of the coronavirus than our white people. These are numbers that are specific to the United Kingdom. So these players are seriously concerned, not so much about themselves, but they are worried about their families because they still have to go back to their families. So they are scared of spreading the virus and the effect that it might then have. In fact, their concerns are so serious that they asked the players union to bring it up with the Premier League. But it seems like now that there is a restart, the players don't have a choice. When the matches start, they are going to have to play. Which is just so sad, right,
1: Rahul? I mean, You'd like to think that in an ideal world, a fully grown adult gets to choose whether he wants to put him or herself at risk. But I guess that's how much money, administration, broadcast rights dictate the sport that you and I see on the outside. So, okay, we've spoken a lot about the Premier League, uh, as you should expect from a Chelsea and a Man United fan. But uh, you look at the other two leagues that are coming back, Rahul and uh, Spain in particular... Barca and Real Madrid, of course, heavyweights. And you are looking at a season where uh, it could go down to the wire, only two points separating the two as things
0: stand. Yeah, Uh, very, very close title race. Uh, Barcelona, we know, had their troubles this season. They changed coaches. If you can remember, it was only December when Ernesto Valverde was sacked and Kike Setien came on. We know that in this COVID era, FIFA has now allowed five substitutes. So that's one big change. But Setien says hang on a minute, that's actually not a benefit for us, you know, because that decision has been taken, keeping in mind player welfare, that since they have to play so many games over a short period of time, you know, we want to manage the workload a little bit, allow clubs more substitutes. But Kike Setien is saying that's fundamentally against how Barcelona plays. They pass the ball around all around the pitch, trying to tire the opponent. And it is in the last 15 or 10 minutes of a match. When the opponent is tired and stretched, when they pounce and decide a lot of games. But if the opponent has five substitutes and can get fresher players onto the pitch in the second half, even tactically, Barcelona has to think differently now. Which I thought was mind-blowing because I never thought of the five substitutes actually impeding a team's gameplay.
1: For Real Madrid, two things uh, look like they're going to be quite different in that the Santiago Bernabeu is under renovation. And that's not changing. They are, in fact, saying that Real Madrid will play their matches where Real Madrid B usually plays its matches, which is the training ground, the Alfredo Di Stefano Stadium.
0: That tells you everything that you want to know about home advantage. A club like Real Madrid, like we said, two points away from Barcelona chasing an elusive La Liga title, says it's okay, we don't need to play at the Bernabeu. We've got renovations on, we're going to continue them. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and uh, speak. staying in Madrid, I was quite amazed to realise that Atletico Madrid are actually lying 6th in La Liga right now. Although I will add that there's only 2 points
0: between them and 3rd place Sevilla. It's very tight for those 2 remaining Champions League spots, Yash. Because Barcelona Real Madrid will certainly qualify. But between 3rd and 7th place, just 5 points separating the teams. Valencia are the team in 7th, Atletico 6th. Hetafe, Real Sociedad also in it, along with Sevilla, you mentioned. So, yeah, a tight finish on the cards in La
1: Liga. I'm also quite intrigued, Rahul, by Seria. Uh, Juve usually, you know, by this point of the season, run away and the campaign is over. But you've got Lazio, who I didn't even remember. They're just one point behind Juve as things stand.
0: Yeah, for the longest time, actually, it was Antonio Conte's Inter Milan who were running Juventus close. In fact, just how the fixtures were placed, they had the lead for a long period of time. But I think Inter had a run of three consecutive draws, if I remember correctly, in January. And that's when they were out of the reckoning. And what happened with Lazio, they had a couple of games in hand. They managed to win their games in hand. And suddenly now, you know, they're on a a big title run now, serious contenders for the title. Atlanta and Roma are vying for that fourth spot where
1: Atlanta do have a three-point uh, lead and also a game in hand. Uh, but I think uh, in the scenario that something goes off, there are some
0: interesting contingencies being planned by Serie A. Yeah, a lot more interesting than, uh, you know, a static as the table is right now. Syria, according to reports, is considering two different scenarios. If they can hold some matches, then they are planning a playoff sort of competition to determine the champions league qualifying spots to determine the relegation positions essentially it would only involve the teams which are
1: in the mix mathematically
0: correct so there would be a formula to decide let's say four teams are vying for third and fourth spot on the table and there would be some sort of playoff or a mini league between these clubs the similar kind of thing will be done for the relegation spots as well The second scenario is that if you cannot have any matches at all, then Syria is developing an algorithm which is a lot more comprehensive than just looking at the table as it is. They are trying to give a certain weightage to the matches that clubs have already played. You know, if they've played clubs that are higher on the table, if they've played more away matches against the clubs that are doing well. So they are hoping to create a formula in which every win is given a weighted number of points and then the table that is formed from there will be the final table for the season and will be used to determine, like we said, European places and relegation. So lots at stake, clearly,
1: Rahul, across the European leagues, wherever you look. Uh, But I'm going to circle back to the problem I've had all along, one of my big concerns, that what even is sport without fans? I mean, we've seen a couple of Bundesliga games over these last couple of weeks. Uh, They have been trying to do some things at least on the German broadcast front. Have the
0: experiments been working in trying to engage fans? I think it's really working, Yash. We haven't been able to hear this fake sound on the Indian broadcast, but I have seen it on a few clips on YouTube. And I must say, it sounds infinitely better than the experience that we had watching it. It really does add a sense of the atmosphere, you know. So at least you're not constantly hearing echoes and thuds in an empty stadium and players screaming at each other. And you actually feel a lot closer to what a real match would sound like. Is there a
1: slight problem in terms of how natural or not it is? Because while these sounds are available on the German broadcast for viewers to have, the players actually are
0: playing in an eerily silent stadium. Yes, there is a bit of a disconnect because they're using sounds that they had recorded from previous matches and trying to sync it to the action as it's happening now. And it's all because the German league has taken this bizarre position that while fans can have the experience of fake sound, they want the players to continue to play in that silent stadium because they feel like pipe noise is too fake. They have like some stuck up view of the game that we don't want to corrupt it. Which really is
1: bizarre. Yeah, in that regard, I'm actually glad by some of the things I'm reading about what the Premier League is considering. So they're actually thinking of playing sounds from FIFA 20 matches in the stadiums. And we know that game can create a great sense of atmosphere when we play it at home. In La Liga, they're thinking of playing out the recorded sounds from previous matches that happened earlier in the season. So if Real and Barcelona play, they take the fan sounds from the previous Clasico. And they play that to sort of recreate an atmosphere.
0: And, you know, at least that, that sounds like it would be a lot more authentic. Yeah, I don't see a reason why the players need to be constantly reminded of the fact that they're playing in an empty stadium. Everybody knows that. But we're still going ahead with this product because we want for it to be enjoyable. And so do the players. But actually, in terms of fan engagement, Yash, I've been impressed by a little-known European league, the Danish league, which also only recently returned to action. They also have been conducting matches behind closed doors. And there's this club uh, called AGF. They kind of built these giant screens around the perimeter of the playing area, just above where the advertising holdings would be. And they hosted a giant watch party, about 50,000 odd fans, you know, joining like a conference call and all of them visible in little windows. They'd even like segregated them by sections, you know, home fans, away fans, neutrals. And they were able to chant, they were able to create noise. The players were also able to see the fans. There's another club, Michelin. What they did is they had their fans drive in to the stadium, remain in their cars, but drive into the stadium. And they created this giant screen so that in the parking lot all the cars were parked and they could watch the match that was being played inside the stadium. Or you know how the fans would react to what was going on inside? They would honk their car (laughs) horns. I just hope in that
1: scenario that, you know, they're in their cars, their team playing inside is doing a good job because otherwise the cars
0: are in danger. I think actually some car horns might have been broken because that first match back, despite the best efforts of the fans, their team suffered a shock 1-0 defeat.
1: Oh man, the car insurance industry might have boomed around that area that evening. Uh, So clearly lots being trialled. Among other standout experiments, uh, you know, of course, lots of teams across different sports, have considered putting cutouts, all sorts of cutouts. Some of them even very controversial. I heard in Korea, FC Seoul actually put some sex dolls (laughs) in the name of cutouts. It's true. It did happen. Yeah, but at least, uh, you know, Borussia Mönchengladbach did something a little more authentic and a little more PG-13 in that they gave their fans an option to have their face on the cutouts which were positioned in the stands. So, you could pay to have your face there and get a sense of being there in the stadium to root for your team. But where Taiwan really blew my mind, and this is not Taiwan football, this is the Taiwan Baseball League, is that even if you can't uh, get people to create an atmosphere, you bring robots into the picture, because they've got robot drummers going at it in their stands.
0: Yeah, I actually saw that clip, and it was like a scene from Star Wars, wasn't it? And you know, I expected the drummers to be quite rudimentary, but actually they kept a pretty steady beat. I was quite impressed. Yeah, quite impressive. It got a good tempo going. But out of all these things that are being tried, Yash, the one that I'm most excited about is this app. It's called My Applause app and its founders have been in touch with a lot of clubs and leagues. In fact, not just football, across sports. What it does is it gives the fans the option of reacting to the matches in real time. So you're not trying to simulate sounds from earlier. You get fans to download this app. They can be watching the match in their homes, on their TV screens. And as the play happens you have the option of reacting in different ways. You can choose to applaud, you can choose to chant, you could choose to boo the opposition, you could sing a song with the others. And these sounds would then be played in the stadium. So that disconnect that we spoke about earlier, perhaps in the German Bundesliga, it would be a lot more authentic because the reactions would be in real time. That is so cool, man. I mean, you you look at all these things that are being tried
1: to sort of recreate that sense of the occasion, that sense of atmosphere. And it almost feels like
0: we're taking some sort of a shuttle into the future, you know. This app idea, I really thought was incredibly futuristic because it seems like something in the era of the smartphones only in the present time. But as it turns out, I read a story and it blew my mind that this technology was actually tried in 2013 and in Tunisia of all the places. There's this club in Tunisia called Sporting Hammam Lift. In March of 2013, they faced a must-win game to avoid relegation. They hadn't been doing very well and they wanted an X-factor to get themselves over the line. This match was held in the aftermath of the Arab Spring. So crowds were not allowed then, much like they are now. Because the Tunisian government was worried that public gatherings might lead to riots. So the match was held behind closed doors. What did this club do? They created a rudimentary version of this app. They had 90,000 odd people download this app and they lined up their entire stadium with these giant speakers and asked the fans to create noise just like with that My Applause app. And it worked because they managed to score a stoppage time winner and by every account that I've read of this particular match, the atmosphere in the stadium and the sound that reverberated after that moment was incredible.
1: Wow, that is just spectacular. Might be the most mind-blowing sporting story I've read or heard this lockdown. It certainly is right up there for me. So, okay, we're all set for packed calendar regular football action to be back. It's of course going to be a new world, lots of changes, a very different football viewing experience expected. We hope we've been able to encapsulate what's on the cards as football makes a full-fledged return
0: Yes, do let us know what you thought of this second episode of Open Season on our social media platforms at Open Season Sport on Twitter and Facebook And do also check out our first episode, Cricket in the Times of the Coronavirus in case you haven't already And that's that, it's a wrap